Well, I'm glad you're here today. Starting a brand new series. If you have a Bible with you, open it up to the book of 2 Thessalonians. I know you were just having that in your quiet time early this morning, right? I tell you, this is a book uh, of the New Testament, not a very long book. Uh, you probably should read 1 uh, Thessalonians this week. But we're going to start in 2 Thessalonians, His Return. Be ready and informed. You know, I'm really excited about, you know, Christmas when we were doing that. And I've talked about the first coming of Christ. And this really just sets us up for the second coming of Christ. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ will come again? He will. And this message, I think, is going to inspire you. I believe it's going to encourage you. I believe it's going to give you hope. I believe it's going to scare you. I believe it's going to inspire you. I believe it's going to give you hope. See, a lot of times today in the modern church, I hate to say everybody just wants to feel good, positive message, but I told you a long time ago, I was going to teach the full counsel of God, and the church said. So that means I give you the whole word because, see, your blood is on my hands, and I'm going to be accountable for that which I have taught you. So I love to study and study and teach, and I want to try to exhort Christ the best that I can. So we're going to look at a book that maybe you've done a study on, maybe you've never read it before. But as we get into it today, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, because in this particular thing, there was like a rumor there going on, and some of the people were saying that Jesus had already come. <laughs> yeah. And they had all these different things going on. So there was a lot of chaos, if you would. And some people just quit working. Some people just got completely lazy. Some people said, it doesn't matter. So the Apostle Paul here, he has to really begin to address this. And in 2 Thessalonians, he sets it up beautifully. And it's an easy book to read. But listen to some things here. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians primarily to comfort the people there at Thessalonica but also, not just to comfort them, Second Thessalonians, he brings that, that he might correct them. Because there was some uh, false teaching. You'll read through the New Testament, and you'll see that uh, being talked about false teachers. You know, it hasn't changed. Here we are in 2017, and they're still false teachers. So you have to check their theology. You have to check, see if they're teaching Christ or not. But uh, he also said the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night unexpectedly. And when you talk about that, some people, man, they get all excited about it, and we should be excited as believers in Christ that we're safe. And if we're not in Christ, we should be concerned. I mean, how many of you, your house was broken into, and they called ahead and said, I want you to know at 2.30, we're going to break in. They don't do that. But let me tell you what happened this week. Uh, we have a really good security system at our church. And Blake called me the other day, and somebody had broken into a section of the church, and Blake had them on video stealing an item. Uh-huh. And he showed it to me. And it wasn't like Blake thinks they might have got something. Blake saw them, a thief. And we have, we've set traps over here to catch them. <laughs> no, we haven't. But I, I tell you what. If you know Blake, I wouldn't mess with Blake's stuff. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I'll let Blake speak for his own self. But thieves, you know, you, you don't know when they're going to come, but they come. Or here, you know, Jesus is not a thief. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, that we might have it abundant. But he says, I will come that way. So he said, always live that you're prepared. And you say, well, how about, how about if I die first? Live as you are prepared. Do you believe in the rapture? I do. And Christ will rapture those which are still alive when he comes again. Now, if, you, if you've already died, 
will, you will get to precede those that come in the air, but it's a whole thing. We're going to look at it here today, but being courageous, being responsible, and look at the message truth right at the very top of your outline. You can circle it if you have a pen. Stay faithful no matter what. Evil will be repaid and faithfulness will be rewarded. How many of you are so excited that God is just and people will get that which they deserve in the end? One person said, amen. You're like, I don't want to get what I deserve. But in this life, people are constantly saying, I want to render judgment. Vengeance is mine. No, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I believe God does repay the faithful, those that are faithful to Christ. God rewards us. The scripture teaches that in several places. But also says that those that are evil, those that are wicked, those that are far from Christ, they will be punished and that's the part that's not very uh, glamorous and you don't get excited about when you talk about that but there's all this confusion in the day and i want you to look uh i'm just going to read it to you It'll come up on the screen acts chapter one i think ver- whoa <laughs> verses nine through eleven and listen to what the word says after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight and they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them men of galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky and this same jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven so that right there is just one place of many that jesus talks about i will come again and he will as he promises so there's phases of his returns he comes for the church he comes with the church here's what i'd write if you're writing notes today just be ready for the return of christ because i don't know you don't know when the return of christ will be but it is imminent and it will happen and i'd say we ought to say a big amen christ will come he came the first time and they rejected him the second time when he comes there will be no mistake I mean, when that trumpet sounds, do you think it's going to be a glorious sound? Absolutely. Romans 14, 12. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now, that's a little scary if we are not in Christ because you're like, man, I'm a sinner. I'm vile. I'm wicked. I'm messed up. But in Christ, covered in the blood of Christ, robed in the righteousness of Christ, we're safe, but we also give an account for that which we've said, for that which we have done, for that which we have not done. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. I tell you that all the time. The Bible says, do what Jesus says. Be a person of obedience. It just brings honor to God. Because the Son of Man, in Luke 12.39-40, it says, but understand this, the owner of the house had known Had he known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Duh. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Now, some people over the years, it's like they're they're so fearful of this and they think, I ought to wrap up in a sheet and get on top of the house and wait for Jesus to come. Now, how foolish would that be? I mean, you'd been sitting there for decades, for centuries, for lots of years, and you'd just be there, but he will come. And it could be that Christ will come in the middle of this message or he'll come this afternoon. And young people have prayed this for years. Lord Jesus, do not come before I get married. Now, I'll just let you figure out the rest. And, and then people say, Lord, don't come till we have our first child. And then people go, but Lord Jesus, please do not come till we have grandchildren. And then people go, but Jesus, don't go, come till I go to Hawaii. Jesus, don't come till I go here. Jesus, don't come. No, Jesus, come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Have you ever prayed that prayer? 
Well, I have. Lord Jesus, come. Deliver us from this situation that we know. But be ready. And all through here, he talks about being faithful, being wise. But for the believers, there's degrees of rewards in heaven. For unbelievers, there are degrees of punishment. And there's an eternal torment, gnashing, weeping. You're saying, you're saying like a Baptist preacher right now. Now we, we, we don't like that. I love that about the Baptist church, that they do proclaim the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do believe hell is real. So in our day, people are trying to say hell is a farce. Hell is an idea. Hell is a concept. You heard it from this platform. Hell is a reality of the kingdom of God. Hell is for those that reject the son of the living God. That's why I preach every week and I proclaim the riches of the Lord Jesus, that you will receive him, that you will know him, that you will be secure in Christ, that you will have your sins forgiven, that you will enjoy eternal life in heaven. Just this week I had another funeral. And I tell you, when I go to funerals or go to resurrection services, I want to know, do people have hope in the blessed Savior? Because we live forever, our souls, it's not like we just die. But this whole thing, rapture. Look over at 1 Thessalonians. We're in 2 Thessalonians, but I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn there, and I want you to look at verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. You ready? And look what 16 and 17 says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Do y'all get excited about that verse? We will be caught up with him in a cloud. You're like, dude, that is cool. Um, it, it is cool. I mean, it, it, God didn't do it to be cool. God, God didn't need to be cool. But this whole thing, so we talk about the rapture. And somebody's going to ask me today, preacher, I love that you preach the word of Jesus, but I do not see the word rapture in my Bible. And you are correct. Huh? And you also don't see the word trinity but we believe in the Trinity, three gods in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen? So these are concepts. But rapture, it comes from the word rapio. It means to be caught up. Did the scripture not just say there, we will be caught up with him in the air? Amen? So do you believe in rapture now? You're like, I didn't, but I do now. Rapture. Let me just give you some things about rapture that's kind of interesting. It means one that is caught up, one that is lifted up in love. So when you study this, you talk about the second coming of Christ in two parts that's separated by a span of seven years, and it has a, a break of three and a half years. And, and, and so it goes back to Daniel. Just write down Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, speaks of this. And he talks about that when Christ's physically body returns to the earth on the Mount of Olives for which he ascended, the interval between the events is known as the tribulation, the great tribulation. And man, the tribulation is going to be a very difficult, tough period of time. Now, I, I don't want to split the church. I don't want to get all crazy. Some of you don't care. Some of you do care. There are denominations built on this. There's theological concepts. Of course, my concept is the only one that's right. No, I'm not that stupid, okay? Uh, my friend, uh, uh, <laughs> good friend, wasn't he? Uh, Gary, uh, help me. Faith Radio, my brother used to come preach 
thank you. I, it was Gary. I got Gary. I just couldn't get Hunley. I love Gary Hunley. G- Gary would come in here. And I remember that time he told me, he said, yeah, you at the pre-mid post. He says, pan. I went, pan? I didn't study pan in Emory. Tell me about pan. He goes, it all pans out in the end, brother. <laughs> I said, hallelujah. So I'm now pan. Okay? No. I'm, I am pre. You can say, well, I'm not going to listen to you because I'm mid. Somebody's going to say, I'm post. Let me just tell you about it real quick so you understand. Pre-tribulation occurs before the second coming. Believe the rapture of the believers will occur before the tribulation. I believe, according to Revelations, uh, after chapter 3, you don't see the church. The church is removed. And I, I hope I'm right on this, that Jesus raptures us before the tribulation, that we are caught up with him safe and secure, and we don't endure the tribulation. You're going, I want to have your position. And some of you are hardtail, and you're like, well, I want to be in the middle of it. So the mid occurs midpoint of the tribulation, three and a half years in, that uh, you escape the last half of the great tribulation. You're like, I could endure that. But since some of you in here could be a post-tribulationist. It means you remain on the earth during the entire tribulation to the second coming to the day of the Lord. And you go, woo, yeah, it's going to be tough. Because just read about it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating. I'm just trying to set you up and want to go study your Bibles and talks about that the Lord does talk about that he will return again and there will be a great tribulation and there will be a great throne judgment, great white throne, and it's going to be tough. So the second coming will, I know this, the second coming will occur in God's timing. How's that? In God's timetable. Whether I'm right and some other people are right or they're right and they're wrong on these things, I do know this. Jesus will come again. Jesus will all make all things right. Jesus will, he's a just God. He'll make all things just, and Jesus will sort it out in the end. Amen? But what I will tell you is he will come. And whether you die now, you better be ready, or when he comes again, you better be ready because there's no second chance. Would you just say, turn to the person next to you and say, there's no second chance to come to Christ after I'm dead. You, you know, people have taught... I will receive Christ in the hereafter. No, you will not. You will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, but you won't receive Christ. I remember when I was a youth pastor, some kids came in one day, and they'd been at this service, and, and somebody had said, uh, Keith, we heard something we never heard before. And they said this person wasn't a Christian, but they were of the Jewish faith, and they would have a second opportunity that King David would one day present them to Jesus, and they would have a second chance to repent of their sins. I said, show me the scripture in the verse that teaches that. It doesn't. God loves the Jewish people. God loves the Gentiles. There's not a second chance to receive Christ. Amen? And so it's fun to tell you now on this side of heaven, like, man, I need to receive Christ. And see, I hear this crazy. I will wait till I live my life and do all the crazy, rebellious, hard things, and I will come to Christ on my deathbed. And just in the last three weeks, I've had two friends that died with no warning. I'm like, no, I'm not waiting on that one. So here we go. Second coming will come. One verse says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you eagerly await the coming of Christ? And then you see this chart here this morning. If you'll move down about three-quarters of the page, 1 Thessalonians 4, which we're not studying, but it talks about when he's coming, and then 2 Thessalonians 1, and it's just fascinating. I want you to look at it, but I want to move on to this thing, the day of the Lord. Write this down somewhere on your notes, the day of the Lord, because this day of the Lord... It, it is tough. This day of the Lord, most preachers don't talk about because it it's gloom, it's destruction, it's tough. But here's what I know from First Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. What is the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. The day of the Lord is a day of wrath. The day of the Lord is a period of time. When is the day of the Lord? It's unknown. When is the time of it? After the rapture. How should we live now? 
after being rescued. Well, if you read 1 Thessalonians, he just tells, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Be holy. Be sanctified. Be committed to Christ. Have a holy life to the Lord. That's how you're ready for him. And that way you're spiritually awake. You're self-controlled. You choose to be a person of faith. You choose to be a person of hope. I talk about that a lot around here because I love the word hope. Hope. Say the word hope. Hope. Christ is hope. He's eternal hope. Colossians says Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we look to you this morning like never before and we trust you and we go, Lord, this whole warning about the judgment of God, the eternal punishment of God, the prophets talked about the second coming of Christ, the apostles did, and even the Lord Jesus Christ. There in Matthew 24, other sections, you see Christ perpetuating the gospel. You see Christ promoting the kingdom. You see Christ promoting that he'll come again, and he will. And Scripture's full of backing and supporting him about the catching away of the church and catching up and rapturing the church. But then he talks about those on earth who reject Christ. They will face the fury and the judgment and the horrible things of God because God is just and God can't look on sin and God's provided a way of escape through the blood of Christ and that's why it's important for you to receive Christ and and to trust and walk with Christ in this life and to have your sins forgiven because one day I I just got to tell you I know I'm right about this because this is scripture there will be judgment there will be condemnation for those that are not in Christ Jesus but blessed are those that are found in Christ Jesus for therefore now there is no condemnation for those in Christ amen wait a minute amen no condemnation. Keith, you're free. You're forgiven. You're like, you can be free? And you too. Through your relationship with Christ, through a relationship of obedience to Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. So here we go. So here it is. You have the rapture of the church, the rise of the Antichrist, the salvation of the nation of Israel. You have supernatural workings. You have the return of Christ. You have the battle of Armageddon. Maybe I'll talk about that one day. That's a whole fascinating study. Destruction of the worlds, the judgment of the sheep and the goat. What do you want to be, a sheep or a goat? Just want to ask. Don't be hesitant. You want to be a sheep. Write it down right now. I want to be a sheep. You don't want to be a goat. The goat's kind of a gnashing of teeth and a torment inside, okay? You don't want to be a goat. If somebody calls you a goat, that is not a compliment, okay? You, you, want to be, you want to be a sheep. I just want the destruction of the world, the, the establishment of the millennial kingdom the scripture talks about. And then the thing that I get excited about, and no Doug and everybody else in the room does, is the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. That Jesus will shift everything from eternity, from heaven there, that he comes and he reframes and he redeems this earth. And he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And we shall reign on this earth as a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever. Does that excite anybody? You're like... Have you been to my house? I don't want to live on this part and call this new. God's going to redeem that. He's going to restore everything. I mean, we thought the Garden of Eden was awesome. I can't imagine this new heaven, this new earth. It's going to be perfect. Anyway, God's just here. Here's the thing. Some people say, uh, are we in the day of the Lord? No, we're not in the day of the Lord yet. No. It, it doesn't come, I believe, until the Antichrist is made known. And that's a whole nother study that maybe we'll do another day. But here's what I think Paul tries to teach in 2 Thessalonians. Spiritual preparedness. Prepare your heart now to know God, to, to love him, to follow him, to obey his commands. Just prepare your heart. You know how 
your mom will tell you, now, you need to be prepared, son. You've got a big test. And some of us would go in our room, and we would study, and we prepare. And then some of us would go in our room, and what would we do? I know you're going, my mom's sitting here. I'm not going to tell you in here. I'll tell you later. We'll have a confession. Okay. It's like my, my best friend, his, uh, they, they live on the lake, and uh, he, he, they built this house in his son's room. His bedroom had a nice built-in for him, and it overlooked Lake Martin. And I thought, I don't think your son's going to do very good in school. And he didn't. Do, do you wonder? Do you think he was distracted? Does anybody ever get distracted besides me? Can you imagine getting distracted by the beauty of Lake Martin, looking at it, and you got to go to school? I mean, what would you like, geometry or Lake Martin? I'm just saying, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to throw my son-in-law under the bus. You know what I find fascinating? It was the worst subject I ever took in school, and I did a lot of years of school, geometry. But God is so just and so good. My son-in-law has a math degree and can work any math problem known to man, and he now teaches geometry as part of his teaching. I go, oh, glory. If he ever asks me to work a problem, we're going to quit being friends. And I love him. All right, let me, let me give you this. This is good. Uh, you go work the geometry problem. So all believers live in anticipation of the expectancy of the return of Christ. But this day of the Lord, just, just listen to these verses and maybe write a few down. Isaiah 2.2, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Listen to Isaiah 13.6, Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Not good. Isaiah 13, 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. Joel 2, 11, The day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Joel 2, 31, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Amos 5, 18, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? Amos 5.20. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Malachi 4.5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Zephaniah 1.14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near. It hastens quickly. And the noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. In Zephaniah 1.15. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, distress, a day of devastation, desolation, a day of darkness, gloominess, a day of clouds, thick darkness. And I go, ah! I just interpreted that. How, how many want to be around the day of the Lord? Who wants to live through that? Who wants to be found not in Christ? You're saying, Pastor, that was some of the most sobering verses you've ever read. Well, that's the Word of God. And most preachers just don't even touch this because I understand why. You know, as I've been meditating and reflecting on this week, I'm like, huh? What was I thinking? I know what I was thinking. I wanted to teach God's Word, and I wanted to learn more about Christ, and I wanted to help you in your journey with the Lord. Because it sounds negative. It sounds full of wrath and anger and all those things. But I know this. Uh, it's going to be a cataclysmic, final judgment of God, the day of the Lord. But I believe that those that are found in Christ will escape that, that we shall be caught up with Him. And you're like, oh, man, thank you, Jesus, for your hope. And I could even share more verses, but just write down 2 Peter 3.10. We'll look at the New Testament. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. So the Bible talks about this dreadful day of the Lord. And what I've found in, in, since we've been in the year 2000 forward 
we just seem to have gotten farther and farther away from the Word of God. What, what bothers me greatly is denominations now are really dividing and splitting hairs and pulling sections of Scripture out and believe that is not for today. Folks, I'm going to tell you, as long as I draw breath, as long as I teach God's Word, this is the absolute infallible Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It is eternal in the heavens. Amen? Amen. It's God's Word. I asked LeBaron Boone one time, I never will forget, I said, LeBaron, I said, why do, you, why do you come to this church? Why do you love it? He says, because you preach God's word. Amen. And I went, amen. And I, now you're going, well, if you wouldn't preach so much of that word, man, you know, we might get a little bigger in here, you know, if you just pass out popsicles and make us all happy, you know. Yes, you know, some of this stuff's like, this stuff might make it, my chicken might not go down this afternoon after reading this stuff. Might take a little med. I'd rather give you the word of God, Amen. And so here it is. It's just God's word and warning signs are, uh, 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 come to us. And he goes, be ready when he comes. Thank God for grace. But let's look at this outline quickly. I only gave you three points. I know some of you are saying, oh, thank Jesus. All right. Thanksgiving for growth. There in verse 3, 2 Thessalonians, we always thank, always, we ought. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to make it word, and always and all in opposite order is not going to work. Here we go. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. As the body of Christ, our grace in Him, our understanding, our experience should be greater. Our love should expand. It should be greater. It should be moving forward. It, how does love grow? First of all, you've got to receive love. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to receive the love of the Father. You've got to receive the love from other people. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is, we love because he first loved us. Man, you're saying, I thought I originated love. I thought Barry White came up with love. Hey, let's listen to this song now. No, I'm teasing. I, I should have never done that. Somebody just checked out and said, Barry White, man. No, all right, go on, go on. Somebody don't even know who Barry White is. Okay, God forgive me for using that analogy. Number two. Pray your love will grow. Some of you have an amazing love, and you just walk up to him and you go, that person just saps with love. And some people you walk up to and you're going, they need a love increase. They, something happened to their love. They lost it on the way to church. They lost it on the way to, to the farm. I don't know. Philippians 1.9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge of depth and insight. So I just say the simple prayer. Lord Jesus, let my love, let your love abound in this place and the third one just do small acts of kindness we've talked about that in the past i've even done a message on it but the reality is there's random acts of kindness that we could do one for another that can make a difference that somehow if we would use that as a platform would point people to jesus so lord let your love flow and abound and and i just ask is is um our whole mission statement is love god let's say it again Love God, love others. And you're going to hear that almost every weekend here. That's the words of Jesus. That's our, that's our mission, is just to love him and then to love that goat, I mean that sheep next to you. To love those people outside of this room. To love those people that persecute you. To love those people that don't like you. Just to love people. So he is faithful and we're faithless. Would you agree with that, church? I would. All right, here we go. All right, so expect, look at verse 4. Therefore, among God's church, among his churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecution and trials that you're enduring. 
As a follower of Christ, Jesus said, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer because I have overcome. You know, I pray that every day, Jesus, I am an overcomer according to your word. So today, I claim that I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. May I overcome in Jesus Christ today. So Lord, you, you, some people say, well, pastor, are we going to be exempt for persecution? <laughs> That's dumb. No. Christians are being persecuted. There's more persecution today around the world than ever before for those that will name the name of Jesus Christ. It really is. And we're going to be persecuted. And God said, stand up. It's like, you know, you, you don't know when it's coming. I tell you what really started a lot of this mess. You know, we, we pull prayer out of the schools. We, we pull Ten Commandments out. Now you go to a football game and, and you kneel and they give you a 15-yard penalty. I'm saying, what's wrong with them? I was a pagan. I grew up at Dalrata School, didn't know Christ I was 19, and we read the Bible in school every day. And I got to tell you, I think it was good. I didn't even know Christ, but God was making little deposits in my heart, and there was little things coming. I feel sorry that we can't read. And now people are like, well, I, I'm going to get too political. Let me just keep going. All right, so, hey, persecuted, uh, expected, it's going to hurt. You know, hey, when a football player gets blindsided, don't you just feel the pain? Like, oh, my God. Like this afternoon, you're going to watch a football game. Somebody's going to get blindsided. Somebody's going to go, ooh, good hit. And somebody's going to go, oh, it's such, a, such an angry sport. <laughs> so is boxing. Okay, let's just keep going. Are we ready, church? Are we ready for what he's doing? Are, are we prepared? I still remember, Donna remembers this. In this church, I'm the only pastor, this senior pastor has been here at this point in 21 years, but I remember we were hitting 2,000, the millennium, 2,000, Y2K. There were books. I went out and read a couple because we had people right here. We're heading for the hills. We're, we're digging bunkers. We're doing this. What are you doing, pastor? And so I said, well, you know, I don't want to be ignorant. And I read a couple books and, and all this, and I even did a message. I pray it's not in the archives. And, uh, and, and we did all kinds of things. And I, I remember the night of Y2K. It was December 31st. Faith Radio showed up. We had about three, four, we had at least 400 people in this room. And we cut an album that night, the Y2K. And everybody gathered because they thought Jesus was going to come back. He didn't. And, and, and they thought all the computers are going to go south and the world's going to self destruct. And it didn't. And now y'all laugh going, were y'all really that foolish? Well, I'll just say that we had some Y2K food at our house for about seven years, okay? <laughs> but I had some friends that bought lots of things that were needless. Why not I tell you that story? I don't know. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that because I want you to be prepared. Because Y2K, whatever, ploy, trick, whatever, you know. It was what it was. But Jesus is coming. You don't want to miss him. You want to be prepared. You, you got to get your faith growing. You got to build those spiritual muscles. You know, when you go into the gym, <laughs> I used to go to the gym. Now I just walk. But, but I remember when I went to the gym and I used to go in there and I'd throw the 10s and I'd throw the 25s. And I remember when I thought I was getting to be a hoss, I started throwing 45s. And then I started throwing multiple 45s. And I'd do all kind of weight and I destroyed my neck. But I remember, you, you see a rookie come to the gym. You go, here, just throw a, how many do you want? I'll just throw a couple plates. And you throw a couple 45s in there. And you're like, man, we could, you know, you could, that's, that's wimpy. And they're over here, yeah! you know, like, and, and then you see a, some guy comes in there. He throws on two and three and four and five. And you go home because your feelings got hurt. But 
You have to work up to it. All I'm saying is grow in Christ. In the worship guide today there, there's a way to grow in 2017. When it's all said and done, I pray that 2017 will be your greatest spiritual year in Jesus Christ. Amen? I want you to grow this year. You're saying, well, I just want to be static. Well, that's pitiful. Don't do that. Listen, I want to give you a verse here quickly. Luke 17, 5. Increase our faith. The apostle said to the Lord Jesus, increase our faith. If you just walk out here that day, that word today, God, my faith has kind of shrunk. Would you give me a greater heart? Would you increase my faith capacity in 2017? Lord, do that for me. Now, let me move with you because I'm, man, I could go on all day. Hold on, don't quit. Keep walking in faith. Set your mind on things above. Secondly, encouragement to persevere, verses 5 through 10. He goes all through this thing here about, in verse 5, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Be counted worthy. Worthy is King Jesus. But we need to be counted worthy because we're suffering. We're walking after Christ. We're declaring him worthy, remaining faithful. Lord, um, as, as I read through this and I studied this week, I get to think about God's just, how he's just. And I thought, aren't you glad that God doesn't balance the books every Friday? You know how businesses, they'll balance their books, and on Friday, I make sure everything balances to the penny. What if God balanced our books every Friday? You're like, oh, boy, I'm grateful for that grace. But here's a greater concept. But be prepared, because this could be your last day. So, Lord, I want to be prepared for your coming again or for you taking me home. And this is my last breath that I draw. And then verse 8. Let me just move to here. He will punish those who do not know God, do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, friend. I'm not scaring you. I'm not in a scare attack, because I, I think they're deplorable. But the Word of God says, if you don't know him, you will be punished eternally. And I don't want anybody under my watch to be punished because they didn't know that that was a possibility. You're not just going to die, they're going to lay you in the ground, and you decay, and that's it. There's eternal torment and punishment for those that don't know the Savior. I'm glad I know the Savior. Are you glad you know the Savior this morning? Because he talks about paying the penalty of destruction, not obeying the gospel. Third, praying for success. Just jump down to verse 11 and 12. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. While we still have breath, we have a prayer. And we can pray for one another. And when you're engaged in battle, the enemy is after you. And I want you to remember what I just said, because in a few moments that's going to make more sense than it's ever made. But we're in battle, church, and we need to pray. We need to hold one another up. And I, I want you to write this thought down today. This is, this is the best, best thing I can say. It's three words. Gospel demands obedience. That's biblical. The gospel demands yours and mine obedience we've got to obey christ he says they didn't know me and they didn't obey me a lot of times people around me oh i know god i know god but they're living so far from christ and it's not my job to judge them the father knows that but christ calls us to a scripture to a lifestyle of obedience to him of holiness that i've talked about because we deserve death and hell and romans says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ our lord so god i don't want death i want life 
I don't want curses, but God, I want blessings. Lord, you demand justice. Lord, I don't want to take revenge. Listen to Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So the next time you want to take uh, vengeance in your own hands, think about this verse or cast it off on Jesus. Because Jesus, I, I don't want that job. I want you to take care of it. But Lord, I pray that you would have mercy. So be prepared. Put your eyes on the prize of Christ. And then, I could go on and on, but I just want to say there's going to be a reward for us. God's going to have that great unveiling. And when Christ is unveiled in the skies, and when Christ breaks the eastern sky, when he comes again, how glorious is that going to be, church? Christ will come. He'll come for his bride, the church of the living Christ. For all those that are redeemed in Christ, he will come and they will be caught up in him. The, de- the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise. They shall precede those which are alive and they shall be caught up, ruptured up in the cloud. And I'm going, man, that is going to be awesome. And sometimes I'll just be riding in the road. I'm going, I wonder if today could be the rapture. I tell you, I've been in this church before and there were supposed to be people here and it was real quiet and it was a Tuesday. And I walked around, and I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, I didn't miss it, did I? (laughs) And I walked outside, and I saw you, and I said, well, then we missed it together. (laughs) No, I don't. But have you ever had that thought? Have you ever been somewhere, and everybody's gone, but there was supposed to be everybody there? And you thought, he came, and I missed it. And we laugh about that, but, man, that would be a terrible thing. You know, it's like people around here, when they get lost, man, you want to be found. I remember the little boy one day, he got lost. He came to me and said, Pastor Keith, Pastor Keith. He said, you seen my daddy? I said, no. He said, I need my daddy. I said, hadn't seen him. He said, I'm going to cry. Don't cry. And I started looking for his daddy. And I think I yelled at Donna, Donna, call so-and-so. And his wife and him had come in separate cars that morning. And she thought he had him and he thought he had him. And they were at home getting ready to have lunch. And he was just standing here. And I'm looking at him. I go, oh. And he goes, and then we'll forget the little boy. He leaned in and he goes, my daddy plays hide-and-go-seek really good. <laughs> Let's find him. I thought, oh, this is going to be the longest game of hide-and-go-seek I've ever played. And his dad come riding up, and his dad walked, and he was a hero. Daddy, I found you. I thought, you goat, you're going to owe me for the rest of your life. You can't even make up a story that good, can you? And some of you are like, I thought about leaving my kids. Well, this is God's house. They'll have to stay with him this afternoon. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we've laughed. We've cried. We've reflected. We've looked at your word. And Lord, I thank you that I believe we don't participate in this great terror, the day of the Lord, that you rescue, that you snatch us away by your ever-present, saving, sustaining power. Help us to not live as children of darkness, but as children of the light. Help us to be spiritually prepared for your coming again, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we do, I believe, escape the day of the Lord, but Lord, for those that are destined for wrath, it would be a rough thing. So Lord, I pray that today somebody might say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Would you come and save me? Would you become my friend? And Jesus, would you give me the strength to obey the gospel? I want to give you my heart this Sunday morning. 
just with heads bowed, I'm just curious, in a, in a message like this, did anybody today consider or would anybody make a prayer of salvation? Would you just raise your hands up high that you'd just like to call upon Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? Just want you to have that opportunity. If you didn't know him, you'd say, I, I know him. In him I will be found. In the name of Jesus. Amen.